you have your journal, you can open it up because we're going to jump in and there's a place to take tons of notes. I'm going to give you tons of notes today and you can use this and or not. You can play dots during the message if you want to play dots. The story of David and Goliath, we've all heard it. We all know the story, the underdog. And it's okay if you don't have a journal, if you want to jump up and go get one right now, it won't bother me. Um, We've all heard the story. We know the story, and we're inspired by the story. There's something inspiring about the story. And one of the times of years that we think about David and Goliath and the story of an underdog is March Madness, right? We think about March Madness. We think about the underdogs, and many of us Year after year, we want to fill out the bracket and win the office pool and everything, and we choose the underdogs, and we miss it because the underdog we chose didn't win, and another underdog did win, and we're confused, and like, which underdog's going to win? You never know, or else it wouldn't be an underdog. It'd be the overdog or something like that. Anyway, the underdog story, there's just something about it, and we're going to take the next five weeks And we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath in some different ways, through some different lenses. And I'm going to challenge you to do some difficult work. And I'm going to do some difficult work as we walk through this story. Because here's the truth of the story of David and Goliath. It is not just a story that was written in Scripture to help us see something that took place a long time ago. The story of David and Goliath was also given to us because God wants to see the giants in our lives fall for his glory, for his goodness, and for his name. Now let me say that again because you're not with me yet. God desperately wants to see the giants in your life fall to the ground and be beheaded. Yes, the story talks about that. We're going to get to it. God wants to destroy the giants in your life for his glory and for your good. And what I know, in this world, we may not have physical human giants that we're up against, but I know all of us from time to time face giants in our lives that are just as real as a human being standing in front of us. And just talking about giants, there are some of you in this room right now who can quickly identify a giant in your life who has been taunting you and robbing joy from you almost every single day. And I think through this story, we might be inspired and encouraged to to tap into the strength of God in a way that would see the giant that's been taunting us fall. All of us have giants. I have giants in my life that are taunting me. And I think you might as well. Now, before we jump into the story, because I'm going to tell you the story today and just kind of scratch the surface a little bit, and then in the next uh, four weeks, we'll, we'll just get in a little bit deeper. But I want you to hear this in case you don't hear anything else. I want us to understand that defeating giants in our lives is not about self-help, because sometimes we look at the story of David and Goliath and the concept that David went and he picked up five stones from the creek. He picked up those five stones 
And one of those stones was the one that took Goliath down. And some of us are thinking, just give me the stone, the idea, the concept. Give me the principle that can help me overcome the giant in my life. Some of us are thinking that. We want to know what it is that can help us overcome the giant. And I want you to hear this. It is not about self-help. Overcoming the giant in your life is not about self-help. Overcoming the giant in your life and overcoming the giant in my life is about cooperating with the Spirit of God who is stronger and bigger and mightier and smarter than anything it is we will ever face in this world. Defeating the giants in our lives is not about figuring it out. It's not about coming up with some principles that would help us walk through the battle. Now, don't get me wrong, there is some work to be done. David had to pick up the five smooth stones he had a sling, and he had to throw one of those stones to defeat the giant, but it was his uh, cooperating with the Spirit of God within him that, that created the power that took down the giant in his life. So we've got some work to do, but we've got to tap into a powder, power greater than ourselves. Uh, now, this is a terrible example, but I'm going to tell you anyway. In, uh, in the early 2000s, maybe the late uh, 1990s, I caught a virus, and it was a, it's a virus, uh, I didn't know at the time it was a virus, but um, I got a wart. Any of you ever had a wart? Like, raise it proud if you've ever had a wart. Have you ever had a wart? Yeah. Like, we don't want to admit it, but, you know, a wart is kind of gross. You know what I mean? They start small, and you think it's not a big deal, and you might scratch at it a little, and then all of a sudden it kind of gets a little ugly, and then it's almost like it's got little things coming up out of it, and there's like every now and then like a dark like point in there, and I like tried everything to get rid of this wart, and like I even picked the black thing out thinking I chewed on it. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Um, I got the freeze thing at, at, at Walgreens or CVS and like froze it and I held it there longer than it said because I thought if it tells me to ha hold it for 10 seconds, 15 seconds is better. I'm going to freeze the thing. I froze it. It came back. All those things. I tried all those things. Now, something crazy happened um, as I was trying to, to kill this virus, this wart on my hand. And the thing that happened was I had a breakout of warts on my hands. I had never seen anyone have anything like this. And my doctor didn't either. I, like some of you are never going to shake my hands again. <laughs> and we're not shaking hands anyway. We're just bumping, so it doesn't matter. I thought I could tell you the story. But I had a breakout of warts on my hands unlike anything I've ever seen. I had over 50 warts on my hands. And I know, it's gross, it's nasty. Like, somewhere Robin's like, why are you telling this story? <laughs> Stick with me just for a second. What's interesting about these warts is they, they were only on my joints and on the ends of my finger. Just really strange. And the doctor, he was like, I've never seen anything like this. This is, this is bizarre. And he would take pictures, and I'm like, I'd rather you not take pictures, <laughs> and please don't use my name. There's like 
doctor, client, you know, something about confidentiality here, HIPAA, HIPPO, whatever you call it, let's use it. I don't want you to tell anybody about this. And um, crazy. So we did all these things trying to overcome this in my life. And what I realized when I look back, I got super, uh, I, I was so embarrassed by my hands that any time I went out in public, I put my hands in my pockets. And I even got into this habit. I still do it to this day. I close my hands like this and I put them under my arms when I'm around other people. And Robin will often like nudge me and she says, you look like you're mad. And I'm like, I'm the, I just don't want anybody to see my hands. Um, I don't have them anymore. We've, it's taken care of, don't worry. <laughs> I've been set free uh, from the wart issue. But like I did all this and when someone would shake my hand, Oh, it was super uncomfortable. And I'd shake it real quick and then put my hand back in my pocket. Every now and then I'd hold my hands behind my back like this unless there were other people in the room. And if I knew there were other people in the room, I'd put them back in my, my pocket or i put them under my arms and I would just kind of turn and look. And in worship, you better believe I'm not going to be raising my hands because the people behind me are going to run. And all of this like was a problem. And it was just such a... And you know what's interesting is they were so small... Most people wouldn't have even noticed them unless they really looked at my hands, but they were so small, but to me, it was a giant. And I was a shell of myself in public because I didn't want anyone to see my hands. Until finally, the doctor said, last effort, we're going to laser these bad boys. And I went into surgery, and I laid on the table with my arms out like this, and they strapped my arms down. I was like, that's not good. That means this is going to hurt. And I watched and smelled burning flesh as they went through every single one. And I think what happens, I mean, I'm not a doctor, and I don't know how all this works, but I think what they were doing is they were teaching my body that when something like this was on my body, that my body would interact and, and you know, push it out and be done with it. And once that happened, I mean, for weeks, my hands were black, and um, they were nasty. It was gross. Uh, it was awesome timing. Uh, Connor had just been born, so I didn't change a diaper for like four weeks. It was my, my wife was then mad at me, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I can't change diapers, and um, I used that for about three months or three years. I don't remember. And, but when I finally cooperated with a doctor who knew what they were doing, it expelled these little mini giants in my life to, to a place where I was no longer controlled or taunted by that thing which was in my life. Now, I told you it was a, it, this is a terrible example because some of the giants we face are huge in our lives. And some of the giants we face, and some of you know what I'm talking about, are silent and quiet, and small, but you know and I know they are deadly. They're those giants that nobody else knows about, nobody else sees. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I, with everything I am, I want to convince you today that God wants to see the giant in your life fall. And he's given you the power He's given you the power. You have access to the power to see that giant fall. And it takes some work cooperating with the Spirit. But if you will do the hard work and receive what God has for you, I'm telling you, you can see that giant fall. And listen, I know it'll pop up from time to time, just like the Philistines did with the Israelites. 
But I'm telling you, if we will work with the Spirit of God, we will find a newfound freedom in our life and experience life to the full. So let me tell you the story. The Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposing hills of a valley. It was called the Valley of Allah between them. And uh, there are all these different kinds of, of war techniques, both today and in the ancient world. And w- one of the ways that, that uh, opposing armies used to fight, we find here, is a strange thing, but it's, it's something that some, in, in the ancient world, some op- opposing armies used to do. So Goliath, a Philistine champion, came out of the ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was nine, over nine feet tall. Come on now. That's big. Um, He had uh, siblings or ancestors or something that we find in other places in Scripture that says that uh, this same family of giants, one of them had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Now, that's gross. That's grosser than warts. Come on. And just so that we don't miss it, he said 24 in all, for those of you who are math challenged. Anyways, Goliath is huge. He's wearing all this bronze gear, a helmet. He's wearing the leg things. Uh, his, the mail that's on him is 125 pounds. He carried a bronze javelin. Yeah, weighed 125 pounds. He carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. Uh, he had a a bearer for his shield that went in front of him, meaning that that thing was probably pretty heavy as well. I mean, just kind of a crazy idea, this, this huge giant. And Goliath stood and he shouted at the Israelites, why are you all coming to fight? I am a champion. I float like a butterfly and I sting like a bee. That's not actually in scripture. It would be awesome. Choose one man to come down and fight me. And so here's how the Philistines went to war. They picked their strongest, their biggest, and they challenged the opposing forces to pick their strongest and their biggest, and whoever won, won the war. Kind of crazy to think about that, isn't it? Like you're, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, why don't you just all rush to the center and find out who comes out at the end? But that's not what they did. Like, Goliath came out and he said, pick your biggest, your strongest, your champion. I'm the champion. And whoever wins between us, the other, the one who's defeated, will be your slaves. If you defeat me, the Philistines will be your slaves. And if we defeat you, you'll be our slaves. Um, Listen to this. The next line. When King Saul heard this, and the rest of the army heard this, they were terrified, and they shook in their boots. I mean, fear overcame them. And we hear that, and we read that, and we see that, and like, of course, like, I don't know, I mean, a nine-plus-foot-tall with all this stuff, and yeah, like, I'd be afraid too. And some of you, and, and, and I in my life have faced giants that, that caused all kinds of fear, in me and paralyzed me and that's what took place the israelites were paralyzed now think about this 
The Israelites were the people that God had led out of slavery in Egypt. The Israelites were the people who came to the edge of the Red Sea and God parted it and had them walk through it. These people were scared of one giant. They were terrified. And I know from this side, like we scratch our heads and we're like, are you serious? Like look at all that God has done for you. Look at the power, the miracles that have taken place. But I think the Israelites experienced what we experience. When you're facing a giant, that giant's all you can see. It's hard to remember who God was in the past when there's a giant standing in front of you, taunting you. For 40 days and 40 nights, every morning, every evening, the champion would come out and yell at the Israelites and taunt them. And when we, have, when we have giants in our lives, whatever it is for you, you've felt this before, haven't you? You've felt it taunting you. Every morning when you wake up and you, you pray that that giant's disappeared. And every night when you go to bed and you, you think, oh, like all day I, that's all I could think of or I did it again, like I found myself back in that same place again, and I promised that I wouldn't do it, but I was there again, and that, that giant is taunting me, staring at me, and it's all I can see. Forty days, every morning, every night. Then story, uh, the story takes a little bit of a turn. There's this young shepherd boy named David. What's interesting about David is David wasn't like a warrior, that was on the front lines of the army. His brothers were on the front lines. He was back home with dad. He was out in the fields as a shepherd taking care of some sheep. But God had been preparing David. God had been teaching David to trust him no matter what. I love this part of the story. I mean, David's tiny, not the guy that you would send to war, you know, all the warriors went with their swords and with their javelins and their shields. You know what David went to the battle lines with? Well, a slingshot, because you know the rest of the story. But before that part of the story, David went to the battle lines with cheese and crackers. Seriously, it's in scripture. Like, go read it. Like, he took bread and cheese from his dad to his brothers as a gift because they were on the front lines and they needed some bread and cheese. I think it's hilarious. He was not the armor bearer, he was the cheese bearer. <laughs> he was the charcuterie <laughs> man with a cheese board for his brothers. Can you see him walking in with a cheese board? Everybody's like looking at Goliath and they're like, have you heard the big giant? He's like, no, but I've got cheese. <laughs> Swiss or cheddar, which would you prefer? So David comes to the front lines with his bread and his cheese and like, he hears what's going on. He's like, what in the world's going on? And they're like, oh, this giant, he's been 40 days, 40 nights. We don't know what to do. And he's taunting us. And look at him. He's huge. And David's like, well, what, what will happen if somebody fights him and wins? And uh, King Saul had said, if anybody defeats Goliath, he'll have a money prize. He'll get to marry the king's daughter, which was a big deal. And he'll never have to pay taxes again. Oh, I know. Some of you are like, I'm in. 
because you can't stand the IRS and you're just ready to be done with it. But when you see the giant, you just, it's not as easy as it sounds. But David said, why are you guys so scared? I'll fight him. And he goes to the king and he says, I'll fight him. And the king's like, what are you talking about? Like, you have cheese in your pocket. <laughs> you have no sword in your hand. Like, you, you can't fight him. You can't fight the, the giant. And David said, listen, when I was in the fields with the sheep and a bear came to take a sheep from the pasture, I had a stick and I beat that bear. And the king's like, sure you did. He said, I cut off his head and I held it up so that everyone would see. And when a lion came to get some of my sheep, God, the God of Israel, protected me and helped me save the sheep. And that same God who did that miracle in the field is the same God who will do a miracle on these battle lines and will overcome the giant that is taunting not just us, but taunting the God of Israel. I mean, this is the little shepherd boy with cheese. They should have put that, they should, like, they should do a movie, somebody should do a movie about David and his cheese. <laughs> now, I'm trying to get a picture of David and Goliath, and so I just, I just grabbed some pictures, maybe to give us an idea of what it would be like, and I was thinking, Andre the Giant, you guys remember Andre the Giant, anybody? Andre the Giant, like, me versus Andre the Giant, no th and Michael Jordan, look at him looking down like taunting him, holding the ball with one hand, like you can't even jump and touch this ball. Like, what are you going to do? And then Shaq, look at Shaq. Like his feet are bigger than half of Boykin's body. Like this is, this is almost what it feels like is that David is this tiny little shepherd boy and Goliath is just taunting him, just taunting him. And this is the point in the story when everybody kind of gears up on the edge of their seat, because even though you've heard the story, you want to hear it again. Like, you want to know, like, what takes place. So David comes out on the battle lines, and Goliath comes out, and he's got all his stuff on, and David has nothing. The king gave him his battle gear, but David put it on, and he realized, this isn't for me, and you need to hear that as well, that someone else's battle gear isn't what you need in your battle. You need the Spirit of God in your battle. And some of us continue to fight these, these giants and be taunted by the giants because we're trying to wear what other people need. Like, God wants you defeat, to defeat the giant with his spirit, not someone else's battle gear. So David comes to the line. Goliath, look at what Goliath says. Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? Because he's got like a stick, like the slingshot, that's all he's got. And look at what David says back to him. You come with sword and spear and javelin, but I come in the name of the Lord. I come in the name of the Lord, the one that you are taunting, the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel whom you have defied. Look at what, in, what has filled David's mind. It's not the size of the giant, it's the size of his God. Now come on, he is not Fixed on the size of the giant, he's fixed on the size and power and strength of his God. He says, today, the Lord will conquer you. Who will conquer the giant? The Lord will conquer him. And what do I get to do? I will cut off his head. That's what David says. It's why you should read the Bible. There's some great stuff in there. 
Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will be the one who cuts off your head. As Goliath moved closer to David, look at this. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it. This is the part of the story we all want to see in the movie. He hurled it with a sling, hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. Goliath kind of stumbled along, and then he fell face flat on the dirt. And David ran to him. Now, hold on. If you're in the Israelite camp, you're like, hold up. Don't run so quickly. He's playing possum. He's going to jump up and kill you. David is not focused on the size of the giant. He's focused on the strength of his God. And this is why you should read the Bible. There's crazy stuff in there. David runs to him. He doesn't have a sword but he takes Goliath's sword out of his sheath and he cuts his head off. Now, if you're going to make the movie, be careful how you make that part. Like, I, I want to see it just like in one fatal swoop because, like, if he's weak like we think he is and he has to, like, saw his head off, we don't want to see that. It's like me gnawing on my finger. I'm just saying what you're all thinking. Then David ran over, he pulled Goliath's sword, he used it to cut off Goliath's head. And Goliath was dead, and all the Philistines took off running. They took off running. All because of this little shepherd boy named David. And a few little lessons, and, um, and we'll, we'll dig in. When our eyes are fixed on the giant in our life, our minds and our mouths will be filled with fear. Now, come on, church, I want you to hear this. When our eyes are fixed on the size of the giant in our life, when that's all we can see, our minds and our mouths will be completely filled with fear. But when our eyes shift and are fixed on Jesus, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can fill and empower every one of us to face our giants and to see them fall. But our focus has to shift. And I'm going to ask you in a couple minutes, um, not to do this out loud, but I'm going to ask you to consider what your giant is. And to begin thinking about over the next four to five weeks how you want to open yourself to the Spirit of God to overcome whatever that giant is. And I'm going to give you some ideas of, of of those giants. Now, one of the challenges in saying this and, and to say to us, like, identify the giant in our lives is because when we begin to identify the giants in our lives, sometimes we're overcome with shame because of what those giants are. Sometimes we just, we are ashamed at what it is that we've been fighting day in and day out for so long. We don't want anyone else to know because of the shame that just, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now, that shame that just feels so heavy. In those moments, I have a passage of Scripture. I want you to repeat to yourself. And you can take a picture of it. You can write down where it's found in Scripture. But here's what Paul says. There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I want you to hear this. There is now no condemnation. I don't care what giant you're facing in life and what giant you have not been able to overcome. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
no matter what it is that you've been fighting and struggling with, whatever giant has been taunting you for so long, there is no condemnation. You need to hear this. There is no condemnation for those who are now in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Christ, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The power of the Spirit of God frees us from having to be taunted by the giant that only leads to our death, that only paralyzes us and causes us to cower back in fear. And he goes on. Christ lives within you. Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Come on, that's good news. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Imagine that. How many of you have ever seen a dead person after three days come back to life? Have you seen that happen, like physically? Have you seen, no, because it's unbelievable. Think about the power that it took for Jesus to come back. That same spirit that raised Jesus is the spirit that lives in you because you belong to Christ. Oh my gosh, can you even imagine? Can you even imagine what God wants to do in you? It's unbelievable. There's no condemnation. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful or what he says are fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you. You are adopted as God's children. You are adopted as God's children. You're his son, you're his daughter, and he loves you more than you can ever imagine, no matter what it is that you face. Now, um, as I was putting this series together, as we were working through um, all the different pieces, I I just, I'm overwhelmed um, sometimes with, with, the strength of like the 12 steps and the program of the 12 steps to help us envision some things. And here are three early steps. These aren't word for word, um, so I apologize to those who would want me to write them word for word, but the concept here is the first thing uh, in, in an alcoholic's journey or those who are working through the 12 steps is to admit that you're powerless, that you've done everything that you can in your own power with your own strength, with your own mind. Like you've done everything that you can and you you come to a place where you admit that I just can't do anything about this. And some of us just stay there. But there's a journey. God wants to move us along a journey. We came to believe that God could restore us. We came to believe that God had more power than we could ever imagine. The God of the universe who spoke the world into being, that breathes light, like that God has the power to restore life to us. And we turned our will and our life over to that God. That's a starting point. It's such a powerful starting point to to come to God and say, God, I can't, but you can. I can't, but you can. I don't have the strength, but you do. It's this acknowledgement that I've tried everything I can to overcome this, whatever it is in my life, and I just, I just can't get there. There's a book titled Goliath Must Fall. It's where we stole the title uh, for the series. And in it, Louis Giglio says this, courage is not 
the antidote to fear. Oftentimes we think it's the courage to run headstrong into battle. That's not the antidote to fear. The antidote to fear is actually faith or trust in God. And I want to invite you, if you've never turned your life and your will over to God, to consider doing that over the next four to five weeks. To say, God, I don't know if this will work. I don't know if you really have all the power, but I'm going to trust. I'm going to take a step of faith and receive the power of Christ within me. I'm going to open my heart and my mind in this next little journey, and I'm going to trust you above myself. For this journey that begins with naming our, our giant, When we name our giant, we can't keep our mind fixed on that giant. We, we said this, that, that we have to turn our attention to Jesus, the, the power of God to overcome what we can't. Um, I, I told you this, I, I had a, uh, I was riding road bikes for a while, um, and I had a friend who uh, taught me that when you're riding a road bike, and I found myself, like, I w there would be, like, thorns and branches and stuff on the street, and I, you know, rocks and all kinds of stuff, and I would want to miss it, and I found that when I would look at the stick, the branch of, and I would try to miss it, I would always hit it. I'm like, am I an idiot? Like, I can't just ride around that stupid stick? Like, if I, and, and someone taught me that usually what you focus on is where your body goes. And when you're riding a bike, and if you want to miss the stick, like, focus on where you want to go. Don't focus on what you want to miss. And that's the truth of this as well. Focus on the strength, the power that's there. Don't focus on what it is that you're, the giant that you're, you're going to overcome, that, that God is going to give you power. Fix your mind on God's power and his presence, the truth that God is with you. And then begin to cooperate as you focus on God. I'm telling you, Try it. I'm telling you that if you focus on the strength of God, if you focus on Christ, his spirit will nudge you in certain directions. And the more you cooperate with the spirit, the more you'll, you'll sense the spirit working in you. Like, go with the spirit. Cooperate with, with that spirit in your life. So, I have some just examples of giants that many of us face. Yours might not be on this list, but I'm gonna put the list up anyway. And I want you to think about what is it that taunts you in life, but you know it's paralyzing you and, and it's stealing the joy and it's stealing your life. I mean, there's, there's so many giants. Could be addiction. And addiction comes in so many different forms. I mean, sometimes we think about alcoholism or um, drug use, and we think that's what addiction is. But listen, some of us are addicted to shopping. I'm just going to be honest. Some of us cannot get away from this, like, there's something about what shopping does. And we know, like, it doesn't give us the joy that we think it's going to give us on the other side of, like, pushing the button or handing our card or whatever it is. But it's like, it's taunting us approval. Some of us are looking for the approval of other people, and we're not true to ourselves. We're not being authentic in life. 
And the reason is because we just want other people to like us. And so the person that we're becoming is just a picture of what we think other people want. It's our image. Um, for, for many of the men that I've been around, um, control. This is one of the giants in my life, control. I love that I have the little button that can turn my microphone off. If I have a conversation with someone else, I can control what you can hear and what you can't hear. I love that control. What's interesting about that control is even though I think I have control, I actually don't have control. There's someone else that has more control and he could turn off my microphone at any time and I could keep talking and then all of a sudden my voice would just drop out. <laughs> I'm trying to talk to you and my friend Daniel actually has so much more control, but I, sometimes that giant of control, and I bow down to that giant. And I want to realize I don't actually, and some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? You don't have to shake your head. I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. For some in this room, men and women alike, we talk a lot about men, but porn is that thing that, has control over you, is taunting you. And you know that it does not bring you life, but you can't get away from it. God wants to defeat that giant in your life. Whatever it is, God wants to defeat that, just like with David and Goliath. What's interesting about David, now come on, I love how scripture does this. Do you know where David was from? He was a shepherd boy from Bethlehem. He was a shepherd boy from Bethlehem. Where is Jesus from? You might be on the front lines, but God is sending a shepherd from Bethlehem, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus wants to give you the power to overcome whatever giant it is that's taunting you today. We're going to sing a song together to close our time, and we got candles. If you want to light a candle that represents God's presence in your life, we have communion, which represents the body and blood of Christ, which was given for you. And maybe you want to take communion and remember the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit that dwells in you, because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So maybe you want to taste that today. Um, Louis Giglio, in his book, and this is in your journal on that note page, that sermon note page, um, he's talking about worship, and he says this, worship is simply a shift of attention that allows us to see God better. This is why worship is so important in our lives. Don't miss this. It's why worship is so important in our lives, because worship is a shift of our attention that allows us to see God better. It puts God in focus for us. When the Almighty is in view, the power of the giant begins to flicker and fade. So look, let's get our eyes up on Jesus today. Are you with me? Can we get our eyes on Jesus? The author and the perfecter of our faith, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ.
Christ Jesus. Will you stand with me? God, um, man, what, an, what a story. What a story. This shepherd boy from Bethlehem who is sent by his father with some bread and cheese <laughs> to the front lines. But you've been preparing him. His trust, his faith in you has grown stronger than the entire army, than the king that you had set apart, King Saul. And when he saw Goliath, all he saw was someone who was taunting you. And God, I pray that in our giants, we would see someone who is taunting your glory, stealing your glory from this earth. God, I pray that over the next few weeks, that we wouldn't just name our giants, but that we would see our giants fall just like Goliath. I pray that the spirit that was in Christ Jesus would be the same spirit that is in us, worthy, worthy are you, God, of all of our attention and all of our focus.